0: Well, I want you to imagine this morning that you're in the healthcare field and you work for a top doctor who has just found the cure for the coronavirus. I mean, this very simple, no side effects, no nothing. And it it not only cures, but it vaccinates people against it. Once you have this, you're, you're fine, well and good. And he says, go ahead, tell everybody you want, right, about it. And so you go home and watch TV and don't say anything to anybody because, of course, it's not really important. No, you're going to be out there. You're going to be grabbing everybody and say, hey, this guy's going to be over here and he's going to be giving out this stuff and, and it cures everything and we can all be done with this, right? You'd be so excited to, to give out this important, important information to everybody you know, and to be that kind of blessing. And it's the same with us as believers. Um, This has been quite an election year, hasn't it? Uh, I don't know about you, but I have never felt so much like this country is just caught up in a vicious battle for power. I mean, the candidates, the media, social media, on the streets. Um, it's just, you know, it's just all consuming, right? And in the midst of it all, here we are as voters trying to wade through all the mess of information and the anger and the mudslinging and trying to make good decisions and uh, trying to do our civic duty. And even more important, Christian duty. Do we have a Christian duty? Absolutely. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have a call to follow Jesus, right, above everything and anything else. We are told in the scriptures, we, we, we have made new cre- been made new creations, and I wish, and I, I'd probably like to talk to God about this someday, but I wish that when we got saved, when we opened our hearts to the Lord, that he brought us up into heaven for like 30 seconds. And we stood in his presence, and the glory And and the way it's going to be with no more tears and perfect peace and beauty and everything else. And maybe took us down to hell for about 30 seconds, too, so we could see what Jesus was talking about with the weeping and gnashing of teeth and all of that. And then he said to us, now, listen, I'm going to send you back. I'm going to send you back as my emissary. I'm going to send you back because there's a job to do, because I want you to be a, a source of light. I want you to, to be able to spread that word of what's going on and tell people the truth. That's your lifelong goal, right? Isn't, isn't that the truth, though? Even though we haven't been to heaven or we, we haven't been to hell, we see it in the scriptures. We believe Jesus talked about him. We believe it's the truth, right? And it's the same thing. You and I have that role as an emissary to the world. Above everything else, our jobs, our families, and everything else, in a spiritual sense, right? That is our call, to be that go-between for God. And so, whether it's an election year or any other year, the uh, Bible says we, we live in the world, but we're not of it. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. So therefore, our first and foremost duty is to serve our King. Right? So I want to entitle the message this morning, Kingdom politics. Kingdom politics. How do you and I serve our king? Well, he's called us to be salt and light, hasn't he? As light, we are to do all that we can to help people to see the way to God through Jesus Christ. Right? To help them make it for eternity. We're all going to end up in one place or the other, right? We want to help them to find that relationship with God. Salt, on the other hand, is an enhancer and a preservative. So part of our earthly life, part of what we do here in the natural, is to give our time and our energy for the well-being of our neighbors, of our community, of our country, right? We're, we're a preservative. So th- those are the, the two points this morning that uh, I believe the Lord really wants us to look at. First of all, uh, Matthew 5:14 says this, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As light in the world, first of all, you and I have got to keep in mind that Jesus is our Savior. Savior. Jesus is our Savior. In other words, as we uh, approach this whole topic of politics and everything that's going on, we have to do so with the understanding that the ultimate well-being of our nation, of our community, of our own lives depends not on any president, depends not on any party, it depends on God. There is no human institution that can fix the problems in our country. Right? Because it's not a political problem. It's not an economic problem. It's a spiritual problem. It's a heart problem. And there is no, no laws. There are no th- things th- that fix the human Heart, right? Think of a, of a speed limit sign. That speed limit sign does not make you go 35 or make you go 65, does it? Because a law cannot change a human heart. You know, in Jesus' day, they had their share of issues, not the least of which that Israel was occupied by Rome. Rome had come in and conquered the whole area. They were being oppressed. They were not autonomous. Right, and Rome was a morally corrupt pagan nation that ruled with an iron fist. And even though they had a lot of good things, they had they made roads, they had infrastructure, they had uh, organization of the government. Our own republic is based on the government of Rome, right? Um, But still, in all, it was oppressive. It was corrupt. And there were many in Israel that were calling for revolution. We got to overthrow this occupation of Rome. But Jesus had another plan. And his plan was to change the world from the inside out, one heart at a time. Through The gospel. And you and I can never lose sight of that. Because it's not about a president. It's not about a party. The only thing that's going to bring the kind of change into this world that's going to make a difference is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That which changes the human heart. Even if we have a great government with great leaders and great laws, we've had them, right? But then what happens? You know, you know it's interesting when you look at these huge uh, empires and governments of the past that have had uh, incredible armies and they've had um, organization and all these things. What brought them down was the moral corruption from inside. That's why they fell. That's why they didn't succeed. And you look at some of the laws that were on the books in this country years ago, right? And what happens? Because society changes, because the morality of society changes, the laws change to keep pace. So our salvation is not in a law. Our salvation is not in a court. Our salvation is not in a party, in a president, in, 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 who's in power. And sometimes I think we have a tendency to go, whew, okay, now my party's going to do this. And we lose the sense of the importance of the gospel. You know, in the Old Testament, you see God, how he deals with the poor. Right? He says, to landowners, okay, don't, don't harvest the whole thing, leave the edges for the poor, reach out to your neighbor, reach out to your friend, lend to those in need, right, that's how, that was God's idea, but what have we done in this country, whether that it coming from the people, now we say, okay, no, we want the government to do it, and so we have the welfare system, how good does that work, right, It's the same kind of a principle. When we take our responsibility of the gospel and say, okay, now we've got good people in power. We don't have to do this anymore. What happens to society? We can't lose sight of the fact that the power of change is the gospel, and we are the agents of that change. And it's the only thing that's going to change this nation. The only thing. So our first obligation in an election year or any year is to promote the gospel, sharing our faith with those in our sphere of influence. Not beating people over the head in the, with the Bible, but you and I adopting the uh, evangelistic method um, that was made popular by, um, what's his name again? Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The Jesus evangelism method. What was it? Loving people. Serving people. Building relationships with people to the point where then you can begin to speak truth into their lives. Right? That's the way he did it. That's our call. That's our call. Remember... His was a culture like ours. They had God everywhere, right? It was it was Israel. It, it, the, the whole nation was built on their religion. God was everywhere, but He wasn't in here. People have called uh, America a Christian nation. Everybody knows about Christ. Right? He's in the airways, TV, radio, and everybody's heard about God. But is he in here? Less and less. More important than our words is making sure that our lives back up the words that we speak. Amen? And I say this to myself as to anyone else. Because our walk talks and our talk talks, but our walk talks a lot louder than our talk talks, right? The biggest plus or minus to the message of the gospel is the life of the messenger. Plain and simple. And we are living in a day, in a culture, young people, they can spot a fake a mile away. A mile away. They're looking for reality. And reality does not mean perfection. Okay? Let's, let's make that clear. Reality does not mean perfection. But it, but it means sincerity. And that sincerity, when we blow it, comes back and says, listen, I'm sorry. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do it right. I'm trying to do it with all my heart. That's what they're looking for. That's what the world is looking for. They're looking for where's the beef. They're looking for what's real. And that means in our time, in this chaotic uh, you know, battle that we've got going on, that you and I do not get caught up in the name-calling and attacking and all that kind of thing. We can share our opinions on topics without being mean or slanderous. We can also disagree with people without slamming or attacking their character. Right? Colossians 4.6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Again, inha- a flavor enhancer, right? So that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. That that's corrupting, that that. that tears down, right, that, that creates animosity and, and bad feelings. No, but only, the scripture says, such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. That'll put out the light, won't it? But in your hearts, Peter says, 1 Peter 3.15, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. With gentleness and respect. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Do you recall way back um, when Moses remember Moses he got his call from God in front of a burning bush, he goes into Egypt against all odds, you know the plagues he delivers all of Israel out of the most powerful nation right through the Red Sea and all that Moses, what a guy and then at the at almost at the very end. It comes to a place where there's no water and the people are griping, they're complaining. And God says, OK, you remember that rock that I told you to, to smite? He says, now I want you to speak to it and it and it will once more gush forth with water for the people. And Moses takes his staff and he beats that rock. And he says, you stiff necked people, you want water. Fine. Have your water. You Bunch of complainers. And water gushed out, but then God kind of grabbed Moses by the collar and said, listen, you're not understanding something here. You're representing me, and you have just stood in my place and, and, and made me out to be a, rah, 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 you know, reacting to people and, and uh, getting even, and that's not who I am. I'm gracious and merciful. I do discipline, but I am not what you portrayed. You did not, he said to Moses, set me apart as holy. And I cringe at this verse as a pastor because I stand in that place of representation. And that that makes me tremble. But in that same sense as followers of Christ, as lights in the world, we all stand in that place, don't we? That we represent God in the world. And therefore, Paul says, or the Holy Spirit through Paul, honor Christ the Lord as holy. In all that we say, in all that we do, remember, we name the name of Christ. Let's set him apart as holy. Let's, Let's represent him. The way he is. And that means, too, for goodness sake, and I don't say this about anyone here that I know of, but I have seen things through the years uh, come across online and in email, people passing on all kinds of information that just isn't true. Please do the research, check things out before you hop on the bandwagon and pass things along. I, I've seen I've seen people just get all up in arms and angry. I don't know if you if you seen. I can't tell you how many times through the years I heard this thing about Madeline Murray O'Hare petitioned the FCC to get rid of all religious broadcasting. And we need to do something. And that terrible woman and this, that and the other thing. And it wasn't true. It wasn't true. There was some half-truths in there and everything. I don't want to get into the the whole thing, but it just wasn't true. And people got up in arms, and they're nasty, and they're passing all this stuff around and, and putting petitions out and getting signatures. And the FCC is still getting hundreds of thousands of contacts every year on this erroneous stuff. And Christians sit back, and we look so gullible and ignorant. And can I say this, please, 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 don't put anything negative in print. We probably all heard the children's message with the toothpaste tube. You know, once it's out there, you can't get it back in. I have seen these nitpicky, hate-filled word arguments going back and forth on social media. And, and these, these are people that I know and love in the Lord. And I'm thinking, if I was an unbeliever and read that, I would want nothing to do with the Jesus that you're telling me about. If it's not positive, call somebody on the phone. Talk to somebody in person. Say, hey, can we discuss this situation? Don't get in these arguments online. All it does is, is tear down the name of Jesus. And uh, so please, please stay away from that. In all that we do, we need to be those lights in the world. And also salt, Jesus said, Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth. Salt has two main Properties. One is that it makes bland or bitter food taste better, right? So, this also refers to the things that you and I say and do that we should be the ones who are speaking positivity to people. We should be encouraging, we should be treating people with kindness. We're the ones that are being the peacemakers, trying to, you know, quell this, and we're trying to be understanding, right? But encouraging, building people up. Salt. And salt is also a preservative, right? So again, we do the best that we can to preserve the well-being of people. You know, even when Israel... Was judged by God. They had been into idol worship and ignoring God, ignoring God's prophets, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, et cetera. God said, "Okay, that's that's it." And Babylon came and overtook them and took them captive. You know, for for 400 years in Babylon. This is what God told them through the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 29, 7, he says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Here they were in a pagan nation, and God says to pray and to to seek the welfare of the nation that you're in. That's our call. That's our call. First off, we need to be people of prayer, knowing that God is ultimately in charge, knowing that there is a spiritual battle going on behind all the uh, that we see going in the country. Okay? That's a battle that's going to be won only on our knees. Only on our knees. So if we're going to invest our time and energy into truly helping our nation, the most important thing we can do is to pray. First Timothy 2, 1. First of all, Paul says, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Godly Godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. As you and I continue, Second Chronicles 7, 14, to humble ourselves and to pray and to seek God's face and say, God, would you touch our leaders? Would you lead them in righteousness and justice? Would you put the right people into office that we may lead those quiet and godly lives? That That... They will lead us in directions that are righteous and that we can share the gospel. We can live the gospel in peace. So, beyond prayer, beyond prayer, what do we do for our nation's well being? Let me ask you this question very simply What is the number one thing that any person, any community, or any nation can do to ensure their greatest welfare. It's to walk with God, isn't it? It's to be in harmony with God. I found that true in my own life. When I'm walking in line with God, things go well. When I step out and do it my way, thing, you know, when I oppose him, right? Different story. The most critical thing that we can do as a nation is to be in line with God. So then, as you and I, first of all, work in the Spirit in our prayers for our nation, what do we do in the natural? In the natural, we then support, to whatever degree we can, the policies and the people who most line up, with what we know is God's will according to the scriptures. Because when it really comes down to it, think of it. Whatever a candidate's um, economic plan, whatever their environmental initiatives, whatever their foreign policy might be, what is really going to rule it all in the end run? Leviticus chapter 26, beginning of verse 18, God says this, And if in spite of this you will not listen to me, then I will discipline you again sevenfold for your sins, and I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like brass, and your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield its increase, and the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. Do you see it? We could have someone in office that has the greatest, most sensible, most reasonable economic policy, but you know what? It's going to fall flat if they stand opposed to God. They can have the greatest foreign policy, but you know what? It's going to fall flat if they stand opposed to God. Being in line with him is the number one priority. And so for us who want to see our nation prosper, who want to to act as a preservative to preserve a way of life and a quality of life that's best for everybody. You and I have got to make decisions as we go to the polls, not based on party line, not based on personality, not based on on even policy. We've got to look at this from a kingdom perspective. What is best for our nation? How does this person, how does this platform, how do these policies line up with what God wants? Because that has got to take first order. or the rest of it's going to come to nothing. Now, unfortunately, I have to break the news to you. Jesus is not running for office this year. So we don't have anybody that perfectly lines up with the purposes and will of God. It's not going to happen humanly possible. But in all of the issues that are out there, how do we decide What issues are important to God? How do we prioritize and make our choices? I want to come back to that next week. But for now, let me urge you in the name of the Lord to look at this whole thing from a kingdom perspective. Not from a human perspective, not from a reason perspective. From a kingdom perspective. What is best for this nation? What is best for our community? What is best for our church? Best for our lives? Is for us to begin to think in terms of light and darkness. In righteousness and unrighteousness. And not only um, look at that in in the political realm, but look at it. In our own lives as well. That is the best that you and I can do, whether it's an election year or any time. What does God want? Because you know what? A thousand years from now, it won't matter who was president in 2020. What will matter is who is in heaven in 3020 if we still have a calendar like that That's what's going to matter. Light and dark, in and out, with God or away from God. That's the critical stuff. The Bible says over and over in different ways, we're foreigners here, we're strangers, we're we're aliens, we're just passing through. We are those ambassadors Of Christ. We are those emissaries of God to the world. Our allegiance, first and foremost, is to Jesus Christ. His plans, His purposes to be light and salt in the world. Democrat or Republican, we are first and foremost Christian. Amen. And we want to hear on that day when we stand in his presence. Well done, good and faithful servant. Got it? Me too. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you. That you have called us out of darkness. That you've called us to something, Lord, way, way bigger than ourselves. But Lord, you know, we, we have lives and things go all kinds of things going on and and, and things that affect us emotionally, Lord, and we get caught up in the this and in the that. Help us, Lord, to step back and really look at things from an eternal perspective. And to live and to walk and to talk in a way that honors and glorifies you. Thank you, Lord, for that privilege. Lord, we pray through Jesus Christ. Amen.